everybody. Welcome to Hoodlums episode four. That's it. That's where we're at, right? Four? I think I so. Can't count that high. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's where I start to get a little iffy. That's why I'm asking, honestly, because it's nearing the end of my fingers. Yep. <laughs> anyway, welcome welcome to Hoodlums. I'm Kyle. I'm Nate. I'm Tully. You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. We talked about this. We literally spent like 10 minutes before the show. Sully was like, listen, we're doing introductions. Kyle goes first. I am second. Not I've always been pause. second. Listen, I am third to no man, okay? <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, okay. well, uh, we're just going to well, go at the same time from here on out. <laughs> sure. I would rather not, but whatever makes you guys happy. Uh, I guess this is where I ask, how was your day today? Either of you. Yeah, Nate, how was your day? Sully, you first. I had a very lazy day, actually. I basically hung out with my girlfriend. We finished the second season of Lock and Key, which is a something I really enjoy because it's based off of Lovecraft, which is a huge, huge part of the lore that I enjoy is Lovecraft and Poe and all that other stuff. I love me some Lovecraft. Yes. Uh, But it it was based off of Lovecraft. Where to find a woman's Clintoris? What the Lovecraft fuck? could tell you. Jesus just, Christ. You just can't turn it off, can and, you? I'm just and I have Lovecraft. To, I just want to... I have to appreciate that this show, I'm going to just go ahead and continue without this disrailment. That, no. yeah, but the, show ha- the show has a lot of gay stuff in there, and it's got a lot of like this modern stuff that we have of having mixed races and whatnot, and it's great for the show, and it's perfect. And But at the back of my hand, I... Head, I can't help but feeling of being reminded of how much of a bigot Lovecraft is and how much he would be rolling over oh, in his grave and laughing mm, about it. I don't know I, why. I love his work, but That's he is just, such a bigot. And it, 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 be, it breaks my heart. It felt to be so much like you were just like getting ready to say some really fucked up shit. Oh, no, I, <laughs> I was, just, I was just, like literally like clenching my butthole. Like, what is he yeah. about to say? It's a good we're, thing I can edit this out later. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, what's no, about to it, come out of his mouth? No, it's it's one of those things of like, I was a big Lovecraft fan. I mean, I am. I enjoy his works, and I'm happy that he does not get to profit from his works anymore because he's fucking dead. But learning more about him and a lot of the famous people back then, they were massive bigots, and it, it hurts one of those never-meet-your-heroes kind of things. But well, uh, it's I a mean, great show, and if you haven't watched it, you should. <laughs> Do you know, you know the name of his cat? What was his the name of his cat? Don't don't nobody say it out loud. <laughs> fucking Christ! Devoid of fucking. Just Google H.P. Lovecraft cat name. Uh, Wait, can we not? <laughs> it's pretty just, fucked up. Just one time. Just one. <laughs> Please don't. It's pretty Please fucked one up. Time. Did anyone even look it up? I'm not doing. No. Listen, no. we're busy. All right. I ain't got time for my oh. typing to come up in oh. my microphone for you to edit yeah, it out later. We don't want to fucking hear about how you can hear okay. us doing shit in the background when you're okay. editing. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just hard. trying to share just how racist this man was. He had he a very was. racist he was cat name. Massively, massively racist. racist. It's literally but, a slur. Yeah. Yeah. But Lovecraftian literature is so wonderful. So good. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. What else should you do today, Sully? I played some videojuegos and Damn. I ate some chicken nuggies. You did what? He's Lego, baby. I'm uh, video up. games. Oh, got it. Yeah, the one thing I picked up from my four years of Spanish, videojuegos. <laughs> videojuegos. Very cool. Yeah. Nay, what'd you do today? Well, I had a weird, honestly, couple days. So 
you were streaming a bit last night mm-hmm. and I watched a little bit of that. And then I ate a little dinner, been a long week. And I decided, you know what? I need a nap, which I don't do. I don't really care for naps as we naps before. Right. We discussed that in the first episode, I believe. And she's not a big fan, but I needed it. My eyes were heavy. I couldn't keep them open. So I went and took a nap at about 7, 7 p.m. last night. I didn't wake up until about 1130. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. And at that point, I just called it. So I went to bed. <laughs> I just straight up went to bed, woke up in the middle of the night, watched a movie, and then went back to sleep. And I didn't wake up until about 11 o'clock today. You needed it then. I obviously needed it. And uh, yeah, I got up, made some lunch, and then my buddy came over and we watched the watched our local college football team like we always do every Saturday that they play. And then here we are. That's here we are. It. I, I did this week spend a good amount of time, at least Thursday and Friday, I spent some time at some bookstores locally. Ooh. Ever since I, we'll, we'll discuss this a little later, but ever since I went and saw Dune last weekend, I spent, I realized that I had never read the books. So I was like, I, I need to read these. I need to catch up. So I've been hunting down Dune books, which are impossible to find right now. Oh, Do yeah. not try and go find a Dune book. Even at a used bookstore, they're not going to have it. I promise. I got the it audio is, book. Yeah, it is sold out everywhere. So if you want a wait. physical copy of it, just don't. Yeah, if you wait for three months, they'll be flooded and they'll use. Yep. Yeah, they'll be all over. the Yeah, place. yeah. But yeah, I went to Barnes and Noble first and the whole shelf was just empty. And they had no idea when they were getting more, but I had a local little bookshop order me at least the first three books, which are the ones that matter. And so nice. uh, I've got, I got the first one. He, he got the first one in early. I picked that up yesterday. And I'm interested to see how many people end up actually liking that book, because from what I've heard, it's, it's actually not like a really it's great a journey. Book. It's a journey. It's there's a lot of political intrigue and a lot of uh, politics and a yeah. lot of just 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 <clears throat> conversations that are you know, poignant, as they say, because mm-hmm. you're having, they're having internal dialogue that you're, as the reader, you are consuming and you are listening to, and then they're talking to each other. And there's a lot of that. And so if you're not into that, if you know, it's very, it's very dry, but yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's as a sci-fi guy, I'm a primary sci-fi fan over fantasy. I always have been. And so I'm excited and you know, movies will do that to me. If I see a really good movie, I go after it. So he goes um, after it. I go after it. So He's got to have it. Yeah. So got to get it. that stiffy. That's right. Kyle. Gotta, what? Sci-fi. Stiffy. Sci-fi. Stiffy. Stiffy. I don't get it. He's got to get that stiffy. I can't. Break Kyle. up, baby. <laughs> Kyle, what'd you do today? <laughs> well, it's funny. Yesterday, I had almost like the opposite, like second half of my day as you. So we both ended up taking a nap, but I woke up from my nap. Also around 11 o'clock at night. And I sat there and couldn't get back to sleep because I was like, well, fuck, it's already 11 o'clock. So I might as well, you know, stay up if I can't sleep again. So I got up and I started streaming again. And I was live until like 4 a.m. Dang. Yeah, I I just kind of kept going. I couldn't sleep. I was oh, I was up. And then I ended stream and I was up until 8 a.m. And then I fucking finally went and laid down and was able to fall asleep. And then I ended up waking up at like 1130 in the morning to a phone call, I think it was. And I've been kicking ever since. It's been pretty good. I think that compared with or that combined with my nap prior kind of got me all the sleep I needed because I don't really feel too tired. But mm. I, I woke up today. <clears throat> I finished the new Guardians of the Galaxy video game. Fucking incredible. 
highly recommend it to anyone that is on the fence about playing it. It is nothing like the Avengers game everyone keeps, you know, looking towards when they also think about this game. Nothing like it. Totally different. Eidos Montreal knocked it out of the park. Fucking incredible. Beat that. And then, honestly, after that, I'm pretty sure we've just been hanging out in the Discord the whole time. I had yeah. dinner, I guess. But we've just kind of been chilling. Yeah. Hanging out. Nothing too exciting. That's yeah. That's a good weekend. Mm-hmm. True. Well, if that's uh, that's our stories, let's get into it. Let's just dive right into it. I love it. So this week's topic, week four, we are going to talk about drug abuse, drug use, youth and drugs, however you want to name it. Drugs. <laughs> Substances. Yeah. Now, those of you that have been listening along to our episodes, it kind of tends to be kind of an underlying sub theme where you kind of talk about our own substance uses, at least, you know, recently now when we play games, when we watch movies, how it affects us. And I think we kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit. You know, I'm specifically myself, I'm interested to kind of dive into our perceived, how we perceive drugs from when we were kids to now. Obviously, none of us, the three of us here are kids, so we don't can't really talk about what kids feel about it these days. But, we, you know, we did a little research here on the side, just kind of looking into it a little bit. We kind of want to just talk about drug use and how we feel about it now versus when we were kids and just kind of go from there. So I wanted to open up this discussion today. Kyle, I have a question for you. Ta-da! It's Kyle. Hello. Hi, Kyle. Hey. Yeah. Hey. I have a question. It's a two-part question. Okay. <clears throat> One, are you addicted to drugs and do I need to call your parents? <laughs> what the f- Excuse me? <laughs> This Remember that serious. intervention mention that we had in that one episode? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, but probably still yes. Yeah. Yeah, call my parents. Do it. I would love to talk to your parents. Yeah. Do it, yeah. fucker. Talk to no, but it, in all seriousness, no. I don't feel like I'm addicted to drugs. I do like my edibles a lot. They're fucking incredible, especially these Delta 8 ones that are cheap and good and fucking get the job done. I, I love it. But, you know, when I run out of them, it's not like I'm feeding for them. Like I need them again. And I've never really been like that with anything. I'll, I'll do the same thing or use the same thing a, a bunch of times just because I really enjoy it. But I don't have a very addictive personality to most things. So like I could run out of edibles and not do them again for another three months and then come back to them afterwards and be like, oh, hey, cool. It's not a huge deal for me, though. I do enjoy using them a lot. It just it wouldn't negatively affect me if I stopped, I think. Mm -hmm. And no, you you don't need to call my parents, I guess. <laughs> it was a bit of a mean question. Obviously, I just wanted to, wanted to get it rolling. <laughs> but really, my underlying question is I'm going to direct it back towards Sully. Yes. When is the last time you feel like you abused a drug? Ooh, well. I wouldn't say I've abused a drug ever. I've abused alcohol, if you want to throw that into the same. Alcohol like, is substance. alcohol is absolutely a drug. It is okay. defined as a drug. So for those of you listening along, alcohol is 100%, 100% in this conversation. So. so I definitely abused it in late high school, in my late high school years, quite a bit. Just as a coping method for some things, I went through a lot of shit in high school. Just some stuff I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about, and so I just kind of did that and went on weekend romps and 
uh, roadied for bands and usually these bands would be played at bars and I would I was good uh, friends with the wives or girlfriends of the band members and they would buy me alcohol and I would just get shit-faced and neither of my parents knew because one of the blessings of having divorced parents who don't talk to each other (laughs) is when you tell one that you're at the other place and vice versa they assume that you're fine and you can do whatever the fuck you want on the weekends. So that's what I, I took full advantage of that after some traumatic events and just kind of lost myself in it and definitely did that. Beyond that, once I got through that and the alcohol and the escapism helped me through that, wasn't the healthiest way, but I don't think I've abused it since. I would say that's probably the one time I did. And after that, I realized how deep that hole can be. And I got really lucky because I wouldn't say I don't have the personality that could use addiction, but I know for a fact I got something from my dad. There's this genetic trait of not being able to be chemically addicted to certain things. And my dad... I might have that too. That sounds a lot like what I do. there's, There's a chance. I did smoke in college. I smoked actual cigarettes in college as a way of trying to connect with someone. And I was almost, I was about a pack a week for about three or four months. And I quit cold turkey, no effects. And I found out my dad did the same where he smoked two packs a week for like six or seven years or probably even longer. That's just all I knew about it. And he just quit cold turkey. No problem, no nothing. Just decided to stop and he was fine. So I, I think I lucked out on that where I didn't devolve into becoming an alcoholic from dealing with my trauma in that fashion. (laughs) Yeah, I I come from a family that that has traditionally done a lot of that, whether it be, you know, some sort of drug or alcohol abuse or, you know, even more like medical oriented drugs. And so for me, I've always kind of attributed it to the idea that I came up seeing all these people struggle with that and seeing this long line of it going pretty far back. And so from a really young age, I've always kind of seen myself as the person that would break that chain that would not fall victim to something like that or at least try not to and i think that adds a lot to at least like my willpower regarding the whole thing i know there's probably a level of like biology there that you can't necessarily break away from or or chemistry or whatever but i think i at least i have a certain level of like mental backing there that that gives me that sort of defense but I mean, I could very well have, like I said, that thing you were just talking about, because that sounds like me pretty spot on. Yeah, there's some genetic marker that messes with things like and others that makes it where you don't get chemically addicted and have withdrawal effects. Yeah. I, you know, I've always considered myself somebody who can't get addicted to things, you know, using various uh, illicit drugs over the years at varying stages of my life. I never had an issue never doing it again i would say that my only the only one that i would say that that doesn't apply to is probably nicotine smoking off and on off and on since i was a legal child and smoking relatively heavily through college and you know stuff like that and then moving into adulthood when i knew i needed to quit and then i you know every time i've quit smoking it's been cold turkey Mm-hmm. And each time I've quit cold turkey, it was a little bit harder than the last time, just because I didn't feel like I ever needed it. And it was not like cr- I was craving it, but it was like because I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I just loved the act of smoking, even the whatever, whether it's an oral fixation or whatever you want to call it. But like 
Even now, when I think about it, (laughs) you couldn't give me an oral fixation if you fucking wanted to. Don't test me. (laughs) I will will accept that challenge. Uh, I wasn't talking to you, so... Um, that just makes it worse. <laughs> you turn me down, you say, oh, sorry, we'll talk later. Just let me fucking get ready. Let me finish poning this noob real quick. <laughs> fucking um, normie. Jesus. I Even now, thinking about it, I miss um, being on campus at really late nights writing papers for my degree and taking a smoke break, going outside in the cold in the middle of winter and... You know, just oh. getting, the, getting those getting those brain chemicals flowing and just kind of waking me up a little bit. And there's something about that though. Like I yeah. back in my college days, I still to this day am a social smoker. I I won't go out of my way to do it on my own, but if I'm at a party and we're having a couple drinks, especially when it's cold outside and we want to step outside and want people want to have a smoke, yeah, I'll take one. Like fucking hell yeah! And some of those are the best fucking memories i have of being at parties or hanging out with people is just the smoke breaks you go outside you you smoke you know a cigarette or a cigar or something have a couple drinks and it's just Mm -hmm. a vibe man it it, it sets a sort of scene or a setting that's really hard to get otherwise Mm -hmm. yeah i was about to say some of my best memories with some people was taking a few drags outside and just shooting the shit and getting into something deep yep Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, it's a fond memory. It's a social catalyst, almost. You know, it's an icebreaker. It's you know, for a lot of people, it's easy to just be like, oh, let me bum one of those, or let me snag one of those, and it's just a common ground. It's a it's something you can have in common with somebody and start sparking up a conversation. You know, it's for me, it was it had become and has become a social. You know, I still smoke when I'm in social situations if there's alcohol involved. But it, now it's more like, okay, well, I'm drinking. Give me a cigarette. Give it to me. I miss it. I want it. That was now. actually a problem I had was that three month stint that I had after that for my entire time in college. Every time I would go to a party and I would get not drunk, but when I got shit faced, like I barely remember it the next day, I would always ask to bum a cigarette. Knowing that certain someone smoked, I would want to bum a cigarette, and I, I would have like five or six cigarettes that night. I don't know <laughs> what it was. I didn't. I wasn't addicted to it. I didn't get it. It was just something about being that drunk. I just I wanted to smoke a cigarette, and it, it just. And I've heard that's the way it is for a lot of people. With they only smoke when they drink, or they only drink when they smoke. That kind of thing. And uh, I haven't done it since I left college, but that was apparently a problem because one of my friends actually told me about. It. I was like, dude, you got to stop bumming my cigarettes because once you found out where my once you found out where my pack was, it was empty by the time the night was over. I was like, oh, oh man, I'm yeah. sorry, and I'd go buy him another pack. But apparently, I was like unleashed on the cigarettes. Man, there's something in so embarrassing about that when you like <laughs> yeah. you do something that you kind of like in the back of your head know is like, wow, I'm kind of a dickhead, and then yeah. someone finally is like, dude. You have a problem. And I'm like, oh my God. Wow. I don't know if it's my pride or if like, if I'm just upset with myself or what, but it's like, God damn, I knew it was coming, but it still hurts. And it's completely against my personality. I'm the last person to take all your cigarettes. If I, if you are kind enough to let me have one. You it literally, every time I say, if I, if every time I talk about dying or something, you said, I call this when you die. You always try oh, to get my shit making, when I die. I'm, yeah, 
I say, can I have your stuff? <laughs> or at least will me your stuff before you or, do it. Because all I'm I, saying least... is that is the behavior of someone that would bum every cigarette off of a friend. No, oh, that is the behavior man. of someone with a silver lining that if my friend's going to mm-hmm. die, at least I get some cool stuff out of it. <laughs> those, those two things are from the same type of person. Those two things are, str- are very strongly connected. The fact that you do not understand says everything. Oh my gosh. I I unabashedly steal everybody's cigarettes. I don't even give a shit. Like, oh, well. I've done that twice in recent memory. And like, I haven't, I don't drink a lot. We've talked about that before. None of us really drink a whole lot anymore. Yeah. But when I do, when I'm with people, I am like, okay, well, give me your cigarettes. Yeah. Um, and usually, honestly, anybody that knows me just hands me their open pack and opens a new one. Like, yeah. here, he's going to need these because I'm like, <laughs> I forget how long it's been since I'm at my last one. Yeah. To the point where it's like three or four in right in a row. The last two times I can think of that I bumped cigarettes because we were drinking, I smoked an entire pack that night. <laughs> wow. And it's it's a problem you know but you know and, and i have more of a hangover from that than i do the alcohol honestly just it's not oh yeah it's you wake up in this just like foggy days of just smoke and sweat and shame <laughs> and you never you know? get the smell out for like a week yeah i've never gone that far in here just, oh man it's well, it's bad i just so, miss, i just miss it so much i just yeah. I just, I just miss waking up like a homeless guy. For me, I always have to bum off people because, I mean, I don't ever go buy or keep them on hand, right? I don't either. There was a time where I tried, like, vaping and stuff like that, and then, you know, I would, but that's kind of not, like, the same thing, especially going outside for smoke breaks and stuff. But, yeah, so I, I'm always bumming off of people, but I would never smoke more than, like, one at a time, so it's not like I was stealing every cigarette from some poor unsuspecting soul yeah nate you dick yeah no sully (laughs) asshole (laughs) (laughs) at least fox knows what he's doing you had to get called out by your friends and dude you got a problem (laughs) so my lead in my or my lead out question from that would be have you ever felt that way about you know we're talking about abusing nicotine to a certain extent well i mean like sully and i are have you ever felt the same way about any sort of other illicit drug no but i have a i not to sound like a square but i don't i i didn't even do my first i didn't do my first marijuana until i was 21 (laughs) and i i shit you not i stuck strictly to alcohol growing up just because it was one of those things of I don't I got a major scare tactic which we'll get into later but I honestly I started smoking when I was 21 and I didn't pay I I had so little that I only I didn't pay for marijuana until I was I think in my late 20s because it was always just social stuff I never had my own I never rolled my own I never even ground anything up it was just someone handed me a bong or a, a pipe or he went and uh, harvested from the ditch himself yeah it was just it was one of those things where it was always a social experience and i never had it myself and i never did any anything beyond that until my, i was like 29 which is very recent but and that stuff i once again never paid for it was always gifted to me as yeah. hey you should do this with us <laughs> It sounds like we've got a very similar experience then. I, so I didn't do anything like illegal. Well, I I didn't really like partake in any substances, I should say, until I was 18. 
I, I played it safe until I was 18. You know, call me lame, call me whatever. I do Nerd. think I missed out on a bunch of experiences because of it. That's a topic for another day. But I didn't do anything until I was 18. And then I, I was drinking. And then I probably didn't do anything else until I was like 19, early 20. And that's when, you know, it's at parties. People were like, oh, you know, I started... I think I started off where someone was like, oh, here, take a hit of this uh, this joint. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And so it was very much a social experiment experience, I guess. And then, you know, on other times going out for smoke breaks with friends and shit like that. But also I really didn't start pursuing it to do it on my own until, you know, a year ago, max. Just because, you know, something different to get into during quarantine to try to enjoy life a little bit more, shit like that. Especially, ex you know, exploring some of these other types that we've been looking at recently or that I've been looking at recently, but mm -hmm. yeah, um, definitely in the last year is when I just started looking it out and going for it because it was always a social experience prior. Mm -hmm. Mine is kind of the opposite. I was, I don't God, a rebellious teenager is the <laughs> worst definition. A hoodlum. I'm a hoodlum. <laughs> it's how I hoodlum. I was I was a terrible teenager from about 13 and a half, 14 and on. Just dealing with some trauma and just angry at the world and my parents. And I lashed out. And one of the ways I did was drug abuse, which really looking back on, there was no drug abuse going on. It was just, ooh, drugs, they're bad. <laughs> I'm going to do it. You know, yeah, like, yeah. ooh, I'm those gonna kids. I'm going to go hang out with those kids that are hanging out, that are smoking up on the hill. And that was, you know, when, when I was in junior high, that was, we had this out front of our school, we had this really long hill. And if you were smoking, you had to be off the school grounds. So people walked out to the street, walked up the hill and just off the of school grounds, they were smoking. And I went out and I hung out with them and the rest is history. And as I got older and started dealing with some of the trauma a little bit healthier, I just kind of, I guess I grew out of it, really. I just didn't think it was cool anymore and just grew up and just didn't care anymore. You know, alcohol has always been around, but it's not something I think I ever really, it was never a coping mechanism for me. So I never really can say that I abused it. Yeah. So, you said something interesting though. You said you, you grew out of it and you essentially stopped because you didn't think it was cool anymore. Not because, you know, you didn't like it, not because you broke away from an addiction. It just wasn't cool anymore. You want right. to elaborate on it? Well, I, I do, but I kind of want to later. I'm kind of leading it oh. a little bit. It's, I'm kind of trying to slide some things in there so we can kind of switch into a little, I'm not heavier, but kind of just kind of dive into it a little bit more. Because like like we kind of talked about earlier, and you guys listening at, at, at home, you listeners at home, you little cuties, <laughs> we, you know, we are not experts. We are not drug experts. We are not, you know, any sort of expert in the field, to use that word too many times, but we just kind of want to talk about our own um, experiences. And I think some of those experiences, since we do have such ex different experiences can lead to some interesting conversation about drug use and abuse. And speaking of that, I kind of wanted to talk about the differences between drug use and drug abuse. Like we kind of led into it a little bit, but how have your guys's views of drug use and abuse changed over the years and maybe how, what kind of events have led to your changing of those definitions or have they changed? Sully? Well, I guess the best way if we're going to start from the beginning would be to mention that I grew up going to Christian private schools my whole life um, up until my senior year in high school. So I went to a 
Lutheran elementary and middle school, and then a Baptist uh, high school, which is, as far as Christians are concerned, the most strict with substances and having fun. Um, but it honestly didn't change my perspective on what my peers were doing. It just changed my original outlook. Like when I was going through elementary and middle school, we all had dare of don't do drugs. It, it does bad. Ah, dare. And yeah. It uh, does bad. It does bad. And, but we had more than that because we were at a Christian school. So we got on a regular basis, like at least once a month, it was always some assembly and some speaker or some group or some entertainer talking to us either about sex, drugs, rock other, and roll. Yeah, and rock and roll and having fun and doing bad things and how it's bad for your soul and this, that, hmm. and the other. And one marijuana can kill you. And <laughs> if you Even have just that, one, that will take one yeah. unit of marijuana, please. One, just one marijuana. I'll one devil's lettuce is it. You're done. Yeah. I'm going to hell. Don't <laughs> come to me. They And they even, and I, I, I shit you not, they even still at my middle school said that it can alter your state of mind. And they basically alluded to a permanent state of mind. And then they even mentioned it can cause you to be more, it can cause you to be extra sexual and in ways that oh. God would not approve of. And this, that, and the other. And it was Fuck like, God, I'm down. It, like, are, well, looking back on it, I was like, are they really telling a bunch of freaking seventh graders that weed will make you gay? Like, <laughs> it was, so I've had all the weird, stupid talks, and I was ignorant of most of it. And the, there was one event that started while I was in high school. Like, I, I, I guess is when it started was, I mentioned I roadied with some bands. I did that for about three years on weekends. I met a bass player playing video games and he invited me to one of their parties and I met the whole band. I made some graphics for their CD covers and posters. I would kill and to see those. I might be able to find it. I'm not I want sure. to see them so uh, bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad for a 14-year-old, but they invited me along and my mom went to the first party with me. She gave she was with me when we played some beer pong, paid attention on letting me have some alcohol. And just paid attention, and luckily for me, I was really good at fucking beer pong. I actually pissed off some of the adults that we played with, because they had a rule of, if you and your partner sink a cup at the exact same time, you win. And I did that in my first game on accident. Oh, well, I was with my mom, and I was so good at beer pong. I wasn't playing with my mom at that time, I was playing with another friend. I'm so lucky I was so good at ping pong. Anyway, I spent a lot of time with the other people that roadied and I ended up making really good friends with three of them and one of them was a drug dealer and the other two guys were his high school friends and he wasn't some big time he was just basically sold to his friends and a few people in high school but these guys were actually in college at this point and they liked me a lot because I was a cool 14 year old I guess that they thought it was cool that I was doing this shit because I was stupid young and they also enjoyed that whenever I got fucked up at the uh, concerts and stuff that they would have they could go point at a girl and tell me to go flirt with her and i would do it because <laughs> i had no i had released all my inhibitions and i was drunk and i was having fun and i figured my friends would betre- protect me if anything bad happened and anyway we regularly started meeting up like kind of, they kind of took me under their wing where after they all went to college the drug dealer didn't he kind of stayed in town and so they'd come visit him a couple times a week and they added me to that and so they would smoke 
and they would get me a six pack of shiners and we go to a park in the city that I lived in and we just hang out all night and they would talk and I would give my input as a fucking child in comparison to them. <laughs> and, but looking back on it, like hindsight is twenty twenty. We didn't talk about anything spe- special, but it was like a little friend group and they smoked and it, I got to see how they acted when they smoked, how they didn't. And it completely changed my outlook on how that, like I, I felt so lied to of, there's nothing wrong with this. There's absolutely um, no danger in the way that they're acting. If anything, like, and they, they knew I was wary about drugs and they knew that I liked to drink and I could hold my own drinking. So that's just what they got me. And, and when they offered, I turned it down because I was scared. All that bullshit of, that was being fed to me terrified me. I thought that you could yeah. actually overdose on marijuana. And after a few months of realizing that was stupid, I just kind of kept to the status quo because I didn't know the cost of it. I never asked. And I thought that alcohol was cheaper. So, and for like two or three years, that was a regular staple of my life was hanging out with these college kids. They'd smoke weed, I'd have a couple beers, and then they'd take me home. And that was just how they stayed in touch. And I felt really special being a part of that, but that completely changed my outlook on drugs. And then I mentioned a few years ago, I tried some stuff a little bit more illicit than weed. As a Texan, it's still illicit, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. But but it was a similar situation of I witnessed other people doing it. It was I was in a social event where I knew the people around me. I trusted them. I knew that some of them were not taking the drugs so that they would be good chaperones in case something in case one of us had a bad trip. I did some mushrooms one time, one time and I did coke for a couple weeks. And it was nothing major. Coke actually did not do much for me other than make me want to play games like Doom. with some heavy metal playing like there was one time where i was hanging out with a friend at his place while his wife was uh, in korea and he invited me over and we did a couple lines and i was like i have to play doom we're going over to my place Mm -hmm. now we're gonna go play doom and we have to play on the big screen put on freaking some metal from my spotify playlist and just played doom for like half an hour until it ran out then we did a couple more lines and kept playing That's it's interesting you bring that up. And in terms of like different types of drugs, I forget that I've ever done anything other than weed and and drinking alcohol. Um, it's for me. It's I'm still like in that phase of exploring new stuff, right? Yeah. Weed was first, but in college there were times where I would get Adderall, and I I fucking honestly. I think that was super valuable because to this day I don't think I've ever felt healthier than when I was actually on Adderall. Yeah, because I would take it for some of my different, you know, school projects. Like I'd sit down and get ready to code out a fucking a a program or something for class. And at the time, not only was I working full time, but I was also touring the fucking Midwestern United States. And so I didn't really have a lot of time to sit down and do homework. So I would do Adderall that I got from a buddy and I would just knock it out in a night and I would fucking kill it, by the way. But what was intended initially as you know i'm gonna do this drug that's gonna fucking you know get me all perked up and i'm gonna get the shit done which was almost kind of like an abusive thing i think i landed on something that i could actually use in my everyday life because it it just made me it made everything more manageable in my head and i'd always kind of suspected i had adhd but I, i always also like in the same breath said oh you're stupid there's no way like whatever but doing that actually opened me up to a whole lot of other stuff about me anyway and i think that was probably the closest i've ever been to 
like this border, this thin line of like abuse and just usage. Mm. I honestly, for me, you guys are, you guys obviously have much deeper pasts with some of this stuff because I haven't done much. But for me, I think the difference is when you get to a point where you feel like you have to use it, that's where it becomes abuse. And see, I, I saw one of the signs of abuse for me was tolerance levels. When I went to UNT, Clark Hall was known as the Etard dorm. And the fucking what? The Etard dorm. It's people that <laughs> abuse ecstasy. Oh. Um, yeah. And so if you went out front of Clark Hall when I was there, there was always people at that square of benches that were always tripping on ecstasy and they were always there 24 seven. It was like, it was a revolving door of etards going in and out of this circle. And they regularly went to raves together. And I was friends with most of them, but I never did it. I had one of my roommates did it with them, but I was always the chaperone type of person and I didn't know enough about it. And I still had some of that bigotry of we have to, I guess, Bigotry is the best way I can describe all the, their attitudes towards the world in general. Is yeah. just everything is evil. This will melt your brain, blah, blah, blah. And so I just didn't do it be, because I still had a little bit of that in my system. And I kind of regret it a little bit because that yeah. would have been the best group. But I learned that these people were doing seven to eight tabs, which you should like one tab is all you need when you're first doing it. But when they're doing seven to eight tabs every day, because oh, yeah. anything less doesn't work. And then recently when I did acid for the first time, the guy that gave me the acid, he apparently had done like five hits and he was out oh, there yeah. playing disc golf with people and running around oh, yeah. throwing Frisbees like nothing's going on. And I'm doing it. I'm on a couch sweating <laughs> my balls off, trying to <laughs> eat my shit together and watching the floor melt. Well, so I think there's a fine line there. There's a distinction. So I peruse a bunch of different like weed related subreddits, mostly just because I am invested in the culture now. I'm fucking I'm in it even beyond, you know, traditional weed stuff. I mean, you guys know I found the Delta eight thing and I kind of got us all onto it. And Mm -hmm. I've been looking at a bunch of these other things because there's a bunch of other stuff, too. There's like. There's Delta 10, there's THCO, THCE is a thing. There's a bunch of other shit and I'm in it. I'm interested. But one thing I run into a lot on those subreddits fucking blows my mind. I saw a guy the other day say that he had been doing weed for so long and his tolerance had built up so much that he took a thousand milligrams in a day and it didn't even touch him. What? Yeah, it's fucking wild. But the thing is, I I still don't feel like that's abuse. I think that's... I think it's just like if the effort slash money you use to achieve that much is putting your life in jeopardy or your well-being, that's where it becomes abuse, where it starts to negatively affect your life because you can't stop. Because, I mean, the thing is, if these 25 milligram edibles that I take stopped working for me, yeah, I would fucking keep going. I would go all the way up to you know, however much I could comfortably afford at the time. But if I was getting to the point where just to get high one time, I was spending so much money that it was just, you know, I couldn't pay my bills. That's where I think the line is. This is, this is, I'm going to interject really quick. I don't want to stop, but 
This is kind of where I wanted to get to. We're drifting the exact way I want to. Let's define drug abuse really quick. And we're kind of defining it ourselves, but I want to throw in the actual definition from the National Cancer Institute. Mm -hmm. Drug abuse is defined as the use of illegal drugs or the use of prescription or over-the-counter drugs for purposes other than those for which they were meant to be used or in excessive amounts. Drug abuse may lead to social, physical, emotional, and job-related problems, as a side note. Yeah. So now we're talking about what actually is drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And so you, I, just, you just kind of addressed, sorry, so you just yeah. kind of addressed it right there. Clearly, that guy is abusing. By definition. I think, yeah, well, by definition, if you have built up that much of a tolerance, your use level is probably beyond that of what would be considered normal. And see, I don't even necessarily consider it, that because it, it it gave you enough of a reaction to see that number that it was so abnormal that it's even mm-hmm. worth. Yeah, for me. So, well, yeah, but, but like I think- the thing is, I I have a weird situation with tolerance than most people. Where and it's weird because back in college, I used to grow tolerances to things like crazy. Like I would take one Adderall, and then the next day, if I were to go to take just one Adderall again, I wouldn't feel it at all, just suddenly between day one and two, which was kind of wild. But with the stuff that I do now, 25 milligrams fucks me up every time, even if I do it every night in a week, which is kind of crazy. But, and that's a lot, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you're not seeing in that case. Like, is that negatively impacting that guy's life in any way? I mean, maybe he makes a good amount of money. Maybe he's comfortable with it. And he just enjoys it like the rest of us do as something to take to enjoy your night. And he just has to take a lot more. I don't think well, that's this, necessarily abuse. This is important, though, because we're we are we have now defined drug abuse. And by definition, according to, you know, the powers that be, he is actually abusing it. But do we consider it abuse? That's what I'm trying to get at. And see, I, think, I was I was going to make the joke of if you get <laughs> to the point of would you suck a dick for it? That might be. Is there something wrong with sucking dick, Sullivan? I I need to amend that joke to if you could not afford it with money, would you suck a dick for it? Because technically I have slutted out for weed before, but I could have afforded it. Okay, Okay. well, anyway, (laughs) the definition that you just pulled seems to me like a very corporate slash government, you know, definition. That's because it is. And I think it's it i think it does a very a great disservice to people by being so broad by being so wholly encompassing it it seems to me like it's you know the bar is very low for abuse at that point it's tailored to be used in a courtroom situation yes it's require it it almost feels like it's defined that way so that they can instead look to people that don't have a huge issue and still pin them down for having an issue. Right. Let me, uh, let me come so, over the top really quick uh, yeah, yeah. and define drug addiction. Yeah. Drug addiction is a chronic disease characterized by drug seeking and use that is compulsive or difficult to control despite harmful consequences. With that definition, I think that's I would, true. I would say that obviously he is not addicted. Would you agree? Wait. The thousand say that again? Addiction is a chronic disease characterized by drug seeking and use that is compulsive or difficult to control despite harmful consequences. So you said you would say he's not addicted? Right. 
is that point because there are no like negative consequences necessarily or well from what we understand there's no negative consequences yeah but i think the focus for me is more so on the, the first half okay which is just that you are the compulsion that you yeah there, there's a compulsion there you start mm-hmm. to feel like you need it right and that's kind of mm-hmm. what i said earlier about abuse and the two go hand in hand but it's that when you start to feel like you need them especially in the face of you know however you get them potentially negatively impacting your life i think that's what i would pin that down as opposed to you know whatever the outcome is i I don't think the outcome matters you can be addicted to something that that won't necessarily have a terrible outcome like that i'm fucking addicted to video games video (laughs) games aren't gonna fucking kill me they can have a a bad reaction though actually when i was in my early 20s played world of warcraft way too much as many Mm -hmm. people did and it ruined one of my relationships i was in we were dating before i started playing and Around the time I quit playing, it had already done its damage. And it was one of those things of it really caused a relationship issue because she was too... She thought that I was enjoying myself, but she wanted more attention from me. And when it came yeah. time to doing those this situation, it damaged me because I was literally playing way too much. I was too obsessed. All the stuff pulled me in. I got addicted to video games and it, it affected me negatively. Yeah, well... So the distinction there, though, as sad as that is, is that I think you can be addicted to video games without it affecting your life. I think there are people addicted to a bunch of shit every single day that don't face massive repercussions from being addicted to something. Mm -hmm. I mean, lots of people are addicted to video games that have that lead very normal and healthy lives. A lot of people are addicted to to similar things you know books that's another if how could you be addicted to books and that negatively affect you like i think that there's i mean maybe it has to do with the bar like where the bar is for being addicted like maybe my idea of addiction isn't like at its lowest isn't a sphere someone else's but to me that doesn't when, seem like when the it becomes your top priority over anything else in your life that's well, I, I think that those kind of addictions are defined differently yeah Right. They're probably defined by how much does it affect you socially? Yes. You know, like how much does it affect your family, your, you know, your wife, your kids, your social life in general. If you're, you know, a bunch of, so Sully's not included, but we sit at home, Kyle and I, and we're pretty much, I live alone and Kyle, you live with your parents, but you basically live upstairs alone. And, you know, how much do video games or how much does something like that books affect you and your ability to interact with the world around you? And Drugs are literally addiction is uh, it's a disease. Yep. You know, it's something that is uh, there's chemicals involved in your brain. And that's, you know, and there it was, despite what people might think, marijuana is absolutely an addictive drug. It's been defined as such. There well, is, so there, there's a distinct difference, though. And that being that I think no matter what addiction always comes from a psychological place. I mean, clearly there are going to be chemicals mm-hmm. that happen, especially with some drugs. I know like. Nicotine can be addictive. It can like have a chemical reaction in your brain and in your body that that makes you crave it. But I think a big part of any addiction, even in that case, is going to be a, a psychological one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the same way that you can get addicted to video games or books, you can get addicted to drugs and stuff. I think it all comes from a similar place psychologically, despite certain things 
actually having a difference there. But I agree with you overall, I think. Yeah. So the National Institute on Drug Abuse defines it says that basically marijuana can lead to development of problem and development of problem use known as marijuana use disorder. And they said the recent data suggests that 30% of those who use marijuana may have some degree of marijuana use disorder. And that disorder, that is associated with dependence. So marijuana use disorders are often associated with dependence in which a person feels withdrawn symptoms when they are not using the drug. And I've witnessed that myself, not uh, experienced, but witnessed where it will mess with the person's appetite, their sleep schedule. Like it's, it becomes a normal part of their life where they get used to that effect and depend on that effect for, mm-hmm. and not intentionally, it's just something they didn't realize it was tied to it till they stopped, where they rarely ever ate when they weren't high. They, they would sleep better and yeah. because of the whole dream effect thing as they would sleep through, but when they stopped smoking, they would wake up a lot in the middle of the night and fidget a lot. And mm-hmm. It was stuff like that where it's, it was just weird. It wasn't that they needed their next hit. It was just this is now affecting me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And for some people, I mean, I get it. Like I feel a certain way when I've taken an edible that I just can't feel when I'm sober. Mm-hmm. That's just it. And it, it makes me happy. It, it allows me to not be anxious about shit. It does help me sleep. It, I mean, it just, it takes a load off and allows me to like psychologically enjoy myself and my time better. I can do things for hours that I wouldn't be able to do for 10 minutes when I was sober. Whether that be play a a bad video game or watch a dumb TV show, I can just, I can go for it. Cause I I mean, that's what it is. I think I I do get it. I I understand why like some people would probably imagine that they just like the way they feel better when they're high. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I think it's a line of thinking that could lead to abuse, but I, I don't think it's on part of the, the drug necessarily as much as it is the person's underlying mental health issues. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I wouldn't say like I'm there. That's not to say that, but it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you guys can see the truth in that too. I mean, as other people that have done it. And there's, it just there's also makes the simple fact that now that it has become mostly legal and we mm. have real scientists making this shit, it's going to affect you differently than back when we thought that it couldn't be, you couldn't get addicted to it in any way yeah. because that, that was some, that was being grown in somebody's backyard. Now we have scientists and hydro labs growing this stuff and splicing out the wazoo, <laughs> making the, the best dank. Splice it out now. the wazoo, baby. And you, you have no idea how that's going to affect you differently now that it's a GMO. Yeah. That's a GMO. <laughs> It is. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong, but no, he's not. It's just funny. I, mean, I love the term GMO because most people are ignorant of what it actually means. You wouldn't eat a watermelon ever again if you didn't eat GMOs. Mm-hmm. GMOs. Anyway, Fox, how do you feel about it? You've given us, you've given us definitions from your research, but I mean, how do you feel specifically about how those things line up? Uh, what do you mean specifically? Well, so. Uh, basically posing you the same question you posed us, which is you just gave us the definitions. Do you agree with those definitions? Do you think that they are spot um, on? I think it's an interesting segue into what I wanted to bring up in a minute here. I mean, I tend to be, I play, I tend to play devil's advocate and it's, you know, Hey, this is defined this way. So therefore it is, you know, like technically your use of Adderall 
is abuse. You're abusing its intent. And I that's kind of the way I look at things like technically it's defined this way. So that's how I feel about it. I think that my perception and I think everybody's perception, I think this is kind of what I want to flow into here. Our perception, especially of marijuana now, nowadays has changed quite a bit. You know, when I was a kid and we smoked weed, you know, in the 90s, it was we were smoking ditch weed. I mean, we were literally smoking crap. It's it was shit that we found, you know, in the fields that somebody grew. I learned why they named it weed. Right. And uh, wait, say that again. You learned why they named it weed. Yeah, I mean, literally it, it, a weed it literally is a weed. On. Yeah, it used to just right. grow everywhere. And so that was it was, you know, blunts and bongs and pipes and but it was the same shit every time. Half the time you'd buy a bag of weed and it would be uh, full of dirt, you know, 40% dirt or it'd be laced with something terrible. And that was it. Nowadays it's clean and it's, there's a million different types and you can use it any way you want. And it's just more accessible and it's become part of our society. I mean, like you said, it's becoming legal. It's becoming the definition of it of being an illegal or an illicit drug is it's waning. And so do I feel like, you know, to answer your question, no, I, I have no problem with people, you know, using or abusing marijuana. You know, it, it's something that it's, you know, to me, and we've dabbled in this conversation on this podcast just a little bit, you know, my introduction into Delta eight or whatever has always been, especially well now has been my need to, or my want, my desire to find respite from, you know, anxiety or depression, you know, kind of trying to self-diagnose in a way, which is something you shouldn't do kids at home. Don't do that. But, you know, as a kid, it was definitely different. You know, it was marijuana was a big deal. It was a weed was a big deal. Pot, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't God, does anybody even call it pot anymore. Yeah. I, I, mean, I still hear all sorts of freaking words for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's weed and it's edibles and it's, you know, vapes. It's whatever. It's just more mainstream and therefore probably not taken as seriously as it was when we were kids. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is I, I dabbled in it, but I want to talk about how we view drugs and not just weed. We need to remember we're talking about alcohol and we'll kind of take tobacco out of the conversation just because it's not illicit. Neither is alcohol, but alcohol is definitely something that we can argue is uh, it's a drug that definitely affects uh, the world around us very negatively. Not that tobacco doesn't, but and everything above that, you know, all of the harder illicit drugs, you know, what how do we view those things now versus when we did when we were kids? I will let Sully go first because I think you'll have a more interesting answer than me. But I do want to make one quick point about something you said earlier. Yeah. You said playing devil's advocate, you tend to accept things as they're defined. Mm -hmm. uh, that is like hearing that immediately makes me think like, well, who are these people to say that they're right? And I'm sure. And yeah. so if it were straight from like a scientist or something, yeah, I get it. But, you know, especially with such as the case with a lot of these government things, you know, they're old people that don't quite understand things that decide they want to talk about something or 
it's fucking people spreading lies just because they don't understand shit or because they want to, you know, trick you or force you into believing something a certain kind of way. Mm. And, uh, you know, from an outlet like that isn't necessarily purely scientific. I don't know. People are stupid sometimes. And so for me, that's like not enough to pin down something just because someone said it is right. Like I need to come to that conclusion myself. Well, not, not sure. To mention that, that's a very fair point. Not to mention that when we go to because someone said it is the history behind when all these drugs became illicit or illegal and most of the reasons behind them that can't be definitively proven, but there's enough of the evidence and the conspiracy theory behind it that grants it some merit. But essentially there were economic and political gains to be made by most of the drugs being considered illicit, not because oh, they yeah, were absolutely. a problem with them. It's the war on drugs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it disproportionately affects uh, a metric shit done a ton of, you know, different types of people. It's fucked up. It's stupid. It's not, it's like, it's barely even conspiracy anymore. It's just legitimacy. And we should do an episode on the war on drugs. I think that would make for a really interesting episode, especially oh, yeah. after this one. But yeah, no, absolutely, Sully. But anyway, Fox, you want to say your question one more time? Yeah, shifting back, we'll kind of go around the table again. How has your view of drugs changed from childhood to adulthood, Sully? Oh, completely. I witnessed so much weird shit as a childhood that made me think drugs were horrendous. Everybody mm -hmm. involved were a bunch of bastards. And and even at my private school, stuff went down. That's actually one of the points I was going to make in this episode was the difference between private school and public school drug use is literally instead of weed, the rich kids do cocaine because they can afford it. I shit you not, before I started hanging out with those roadies, I actually had one of my classmates thrown down a flight of stairs. And this is at like a Baptist college preparatory high school that that is way above, like costs as much as a freaking college to go to. And this kid got thrown down a flight of stairs. I later found out that kid was out one of our school's three Coke dealers. Three? Three. We had three Coke dealers. Damn. And he was the up and coming. The free market right there. Yeah, he was the up and coming young one because we were freshmen. And I, I don't know all the hierarchy of it because I just didn't get into it because it scared me because I was <laughs> young and dumb and I'm not going to deal with that after witnessing someone get thrown out of flight of stairs. I found out that he ran out of his stash and instead of, instead of just telling him he's out, you got to wait until my next grab, that he crushed up Tylenol PM which is what was used as one of the probably cut. He usually probably cut that into his Coke, but he yeah. just sold them straight Tylenol PM. Dude snorted it and had an eight hour nosebleed, was about to go to the hospital and have to tell them the truth about him doing Coke in order for them to save his life. But it luckily stopped. Mm -hmm. So him and his buddy went and found him and threw him down a flight of stairs. Oh. And it was, and they all three got expelled because it, it came out. But this was a prestigious school at a Baptist church. Oh, yeah. And, shit happens, and, yeah. especially so, in those places. That kind of stuff scared me. And then I meet my next drug dealer, and he's one of my best friends for like three years. <laughs> and it was just one of those moments of it all depends on what your experiences were. And I had some terrifying experiences. And then I met these awesome guys, and they showed me the truth of the things. and. I started learning why certain people really like incense 
And I realized <laughs> that it's not that big of a deal because almost everyone that I knew as an adult or every, as a child, everyone I knew that were adults around me, there were so many signs of them being potheads. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. My parents used to smoke all the time. Well, they still do. Yeah. But my parents used to smoke. And I might have told this story before, but I would have friends over and all of my friends growing up were very anti rule breaking, which is part of the reason why I lived a pretty tame life up to 18. Mm. It's because I, I didn't have people to push me out of that comfort zone, it, which is also kind of weird because all of my friends growing up were at least three years older than me, which is kind of wild. But anyway, my parents would just smoke and we would always be like, what's that weird smell? And I just kind of came to accept it because I never knew what it was <laughs> mm -hmm. until one day, one day my my friend noticed and he was like, that's pot. And I was like, that's what? what? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I mean, at the time I probably didn't even really understand the fucking gravity of that. Yeah. And to this day we laugh about how long we went not knowing what it was. And <laughs> the craziest thing about that friend that's the friend I just went to the state park with the other day. Nice. He grew up being very sheltered from a lot of things. He, I actually hated rap music for the first like 15, 16 years of my life simply because he also hated it. And that was just kind of the influence I had. Mm -hmm. And, but the thing is he went and found uh, a boyfriend. That's really cool. That's uh, actually related to a girl that I went to school with. And he was kind of a hoodlum in his earlier days. And now that friend is like, he's all over it. He just like microdosed shrooms the other night. And I'm like, holy fuck. The, the difference. I thought I was the one that was breaking out of my shell. Look at him. The one that I never thought would over here fucking doing a tab of acid or some shit just to feel how it is. I'm like, God damn, that's incredible. I'm so proud of you. You've come such a long way. But yeah, it's a so, very interesting perspective it, I want to touch on here. Yeah, it, it, it basically learning that a large majority of the people in your life that you thought were straight and on the straight and narrow were actually high half the time. You realize yeah. it really can't be that bad if half the world is fucking <laughs> toasted. <laughs> so that I mean, that that was one of those big reveals for me. And so after that event with hanging out with those roadies, it was complete opposite. Total and I just ne the only honest reason why I waited till I was 29 to try those other things is I just wasn't around the people that had it. At yep. that point, if someone offered something and I knew I was in a safe location and I trusted this person, and I would definitely try every anything like that once. See what That's it's where like. I'm at. Yeah, I think I think um, the only one I probably wouldn't try, and it's because it's probably one of those things where I think I'd just be too more messed up about how you do it because I don't know anything about it at all. I knew some about the other style. I knew some about crack. I knew some about uh, Coke. I knew some mm -hmm. about acid and mushrooms just in basic ingestion, but heroin was one that always scared me. And that's the one that I don't know if I would ever yeah, try. That's same. Honestly, I'm so ignorant about everything it, and it's involved in, and it's one of the most, um, Media uses it as the most heinous drug to do because it yeah. kills people. And I don't know how accurate that stuff is. And I just, that's the only one that I don't know anyone that has talked to me about specifically that being something they know anything about. And so that's the only yeah. one I probably would never touch. I mean, for me, it's like, so I don't know in what ways you can actually do heroin, but traditionally it's, you know, with a needle and that something about that makes it different to me. Something about that makes it more heinous. Like it's more 
interesting it's, it's more intense it's like if you're gonna shoot it into your body like that it feels different it almost feels like uh, more dangerous more scary and that's i think where the media really picks it up because that's and that, that it might be media that's done yeah. that to me and it, you grow up with all the propaganda and then you and you lose all of it except for that being the worst one ever and yeah that's constantly in movies and tv shows and would you guys say that your perception of we'll just blanket term illicit drugs has become more positive as you've gotten older? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Without okay. a doubt. Do you think it's because of marijuana becoming such of? Is that skewed by marijuana because marijuana has come out and become such a such a. It's medicinal now. Right. Yeah. Like it, it helps so many people in so many different ways with, you know, all sorts of different things. And I, my, my mind is blanking. I apologize. But we all know that regardless of how you feel politically, that marijuana has positive effects on millions of people every day. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's skewed how we feel about drugs as as adults? I don't think so. I don't think it would be. I feel more validated than I do increased in yeah, so positivity. I, I think it would be ignorant to say a, a flat out no. I think no matter what, you have to factor in the idea that marijuana opened a lot of people's eyes to a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think years and years of marijuana use being this illegal, you know, Vilified. frowned upon thing. And now with the spread of information and all this shit, people are talking about it. People are, are mm -hmm. coming out and they're saying, hey, like this shit has helped me for years. Like I've been doing it all this time. It's great. And on top of that, other people are doing other things and they're talking about their experiences. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, weed, I think for sure is, I hate to put it this way, but like an entry drug for a lot of people. But it absolutely is. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, I think that that increase of speed in sharing information, that that openness to talk about these different things, I got almost just like the rise of the Internet <laughs> has done, in my opinion, a lot more. I think I would be a lot less likely to try a lot of the things that I was terrified of growing up if I didn't have these resources where I could go and I could look at people's stories. I could mm -hmm. learn that, you know, so maybe these people are lying to me. Maybe these things are blown out of the water for, you know, intentions beyond my comprehension right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's bigger, but I do think it would be ignorant to say that weed hasn't played a part. Sure. I have, I, I need to catch up a little bit <laughs> just because I kind of leading and asking questions and just kind of soaking all this in. I kind of have the opposite effect. Like I've always felt some time ago when dare was a thing, there was a big argument and a big to do about whether marijuana was a gateway drug. Yeah. And everybody was like, no, marijuana is not a big deal. Not a big deal. And you know, now we've come full circle 20 years later. It isn't a big deal. Right. I mean, it can be a big deal, but it's not as big of a deal as everybody made it to be. Mm -hmm. But I will always die on the hill that they're gateway drugs. See, I would not. 
I'm going to say something real quick. I feel <laughs> you're fucking the- stupid. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my job. Remember? You, yeah. <laughs> I I felt back then, and I always made the joke when someone said this. I said it's not a gateway drug to other drugs. It's a gateway drug to a fucking drug dealer. Because if you could get this shit at a gas station, you wouldn't buy anything else. It is always so okay. Definition of gateway drug. A habit-forming drug that, while not itself necessarily addictive, may lead to the use of other addictive drugs. It's, you've kind of put it right on the head. I very seldom do you read a story of somebody coming across heroin before they come across marijuana or cigarettes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I found some heroin on the ground. I better give it a shot. (laughs) You know, it was like me, my story, going up on the smoker's hill and smoking cigarettes with the cool kids, quote unquote, cool kids. And then do you want to smoke some pot? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, because I thought it was Fuck yeah. cool. And then that <laughs> led to other things. And it didn't, it wasn't necessarily the drug itself. It wasn't, ooh, I smoke pot. I got to do other things. It was allowances. It Absolutely. It was opportunities. It created opportunities for me to do things that were negative, that were potentially bad. And Kyle, you asked me a question before that I never really got back to. And I'm going to now is, you know, the idea of growing out of drugs. I, uh, full disclosure, but long story short, as a rebellious teenager, I went up on Smoker's Hill, I smoked cigarettes, I drank alcohol, I tried pot, and it led me to other things. Uh, You know, there was a year of my junior high school life that was, you know, kind of surrounding narcotics. And it was, you know, I ended up making a friend with a buddy, and he was a drug dealer. He, He sold pot, I ended up helping, and then that led to cocaine. And for a brief moment in time, I sold cocaine. It was just something that ended up. I I was just like, yeah, I was a yes man. You know, I was always been. I was always as a kid, a people pleaser because I didn't I got made fun of a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends. So I did whatever I had to be included. And it's not something I'm super proud of, but it was something that happened. So, yeah, I mean, as uh, the way I look at it as an adult, looking back on it, I was like, this is really cool. Like, I always thought I was very cool doing these things. Granted, let's also remind ourselves and remind the audience that I am older than both of you. You know, this happened in the 90s. And that in that time, it was the mid 90s. You know, I graduated. I didn't graduate high school until 2001. So this was, you know, early to mid, well, mid to late 90s. And it was cool back then. It was grunge. It was, you know, we were listening to Nirvana and we were listening to Alice in Chains and we were doing drugs. And all of our heroes were doing drugs and we thought it was cool. And I thought it was cool, double layer cool, because all these people that I wanted to be like and be friends with were doing it too. So as I grew up and dealt with a lot of things, I realized, man, I just don't care about any of that anymore, how childish that is. And that's, I would be remiss to say that did not lead to me today. Like even today, when I think about smoking pot for me, it would be childish for me. Really? And yes. And that's not to say that I think that people that smoke pot are childish. Not right. at all. No, I get it. But for me to sit down and like smoke a joint or you know, smoke a bowl or whatever, to me, it would be childish for me because it's something that I've put behind me. And it's not like I ever did a shit ton of pot either. It was more of uh, that. It was a different place. And I need to not associate with that. There's a previous chapter of your life and you're not yes. getting this one. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's childish from, from a personal perspective. And I did a lot of things that you guys haven't. You know, Sully, you talked about 
heroin. <laughs> Been there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I loved how, Kyle, you brought up how dirty needles are. And that's such a... We've turned that Hollywood thing, right? Hollywood turned that into, like, it's dirty. And it is dirty. But that was the only way to do it then. You can yeah. take heroin other ways. But that's how we did it. And, you know, cocaine and all these party drugs, these hallucinogens or whatever... That it was cool, man. I mean, you know, it was just what I thought was awesome. And I, you know, I, a lot of that heavier stuff I hit in college and it had to do with the groups of people that I was hanging out with. You know, I was in the social sciences. It was more readily available. Everybody was a pothead. I wasn't because like I said, I'd grown out of it, but I was hanging around people that were. So yeah, I smoked pot every once in a while, but there was other stuff available. It was my, you know, I, you know, dabbled in, like I said, uh, a little bit more in cocaine in college and heroin. LSD, all those things. That was college. But again, not having that addictive personality kind of helped me to just not care about it as much. But my, yeah, my, my adult perspective of drugs, I can't argue have, I just don't care about them anymore. I don't think about them anymore, except what we've talked about with Delta eight and all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't give a shit about them anymore. I don't think about it. But obviously the three of us, and if you, you know, those of you listening at home, you guys have kind of realized that we're all three pretty liberal, you know, we want marijuana legalized for lots yeah. of reasons because it shouldn't legalize it, legalize it. Fuck mm-hmm. it. I mean, it helps way too many fucking people not to not and, to mention how many people are in prison over bullshit. Right. That have um, to do with that being the gateway arrest. Right. So I, I kind of wanted to bring up some statistics and I know we're kind of coming up on what our normal time frame is for this main topic, but I kind of wanted to talk. The reason that I wanted to talk about our, our perceptions in high school and you know childhood versus versus now is some of these statistics are really interesting. One in eight teenagers, and this is high school or this is seniors and below. One in eight teenagers are abusing some sort of illicit substance, not including alcohol. Today, one in eight. In 1999, it was one in five. So it's gone down. Wow. Interesting. Honestly, t- I think I know exactly why. 9-11. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. 9-11, um, war on drugs. By, by 12th grade, 62% of teenagers abuse alcohol, though. What did it used um, to be? Does it say? I did not get what it used to be in 1999. No. 50% of teenagers have misused a drug at least once, not including, not including alcohol. 43% of all college students abuse illicit drugs. 43? (laughs) 43. Holy shit. The most interesting stat that I found, and that's kind of a series of stats, but this, they're all tied together. Overdose deaths per year in the ages 15 to 24 have risen 385% since 1999. Wow. And that is, just a side note, that's only 11% of total OD deaths per year. So the amount of overdose deaths per year from the ages 15 to 24 have risen 385% in the last 21 years. It's crazy. That's a fucking lot. To go along with that, the the same study looked at perceived ability to get a hold of drugs. Alcohol and marijuana have skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. The ability to procure alcohol and marijuana for kids have 
their perceived ability. So in 1999, the perceived ability to get weed or alcohol have skyrocketed for weed and alcohol, but they've plummeted for anything higher or worse than that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's like 68.9% of students, seniors or younger, believe that they could get alcohol or weed in a moment's notice. Oh, yeah. I, I felt like that, too. And that has risen exponentially. But the ability to get a hold of anything harder has decreased dramatically. Like some like 4.3% of kids today think that they can get a hold of LSD right now. But in 1999, it was like 17%. Yeah. Well, most of that 4.3% of kids are probably fucking stupid, but I I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Right. I think partially, I mean, you can get anything easier nowadays. I mean, look at this Delta eight shit, The, the fucking edibles that I get and that we get, you can order them online. You can pay for them, get them shipped to your house. You don't have to sign for anything. You can bring them right inside and that's it. All you got to do is click. Yes, I am 21 on the fucking thing. As soon as you pull the website up and there you go, it's done. Well, I, I also, I mean, we've got things today where you can get fucking alcohol delivered straight to your house and there's, right. and you can buy straight up cigarettes on the internet. And I would be surprised if there aren't places like what sell some of the stuff that we're buying that will ship that shit to your house just for like no issue. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. But another thing that I think is really important is people are always going to want to do what you tell them they can't do. And I think that's oh, always going to be uh, 100%. I think that's always going to be tied very closely to the state of drugs around the world and in our country specifically. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing about weed is that people are opening up. They're saying, fuck it, do it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's not bad for you. At least that's what I'm hearing. It, it makes you feel better. It solves a lot of these mental health issues, at least momentarily, that especially young people are struggling with today. I would say that part makes sense to me. They're still telling people not to drink. And so the fact that's gone up, I get the rest of it. Uh, I think they've been cracking down on some of the harder shit, but I think so that I, I have a I have a little theory to propose is would that percentage be considering their parents as that source? Ooh, I have an actual stat to help you with that. Okay. Cause that, I wasn't, that's one of those things where I know my dad's parents would not have let him drink in the house or with him, but my dad would same with weed. If I had talked to my dad sooner, we probably would have probably smoked a few things so long that's like that with I my mom, yeah. my mom and that we did it outside in the, in secret. Like, I'm, I'm sure that my parents would have been a source. Both my parents said I could drink at home as much as I wanted to, as long as I was, I was at home. And yeah. it's, I feel like more kids are, if parents are getting cooler in that fashion, or even more just brazen about their own use in front of their kids, then maybe them being considered that source would inc- be part of that increase. Well, I mean, on the flip side of that coin, too, is think about all the bad parents out there that... <laughs> Well, just to go get it for their kids anyway. That just don't give a shit. Or that, you know, some of them do it deliberately for fucking terrible reasons. Right. Uh, I There's a lot to that, I think. Uh, it's kind of menacing, th- but... I think that Kyle's idea of dirty needles and all this stuff kind of drove a, a thought that I had home in that I think kids nowadays are smarter. 
And I think it has a lot to do with the information age. We're in a, we're in a different world. And, you know, when I was in junior high, the internet was on my hand. It wasn't my, you know, my first phone, I got a 14, but it was one of those little Nokia things that you could have literally, (laughs) you could have bricked a house with those (laughs) things. Right. And I think kids are smarter and they're realizing that some of this hard stuff, man, I don't want to die. I've seen it too much on the videos at school and movies and stuff that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stick a needle in my arm. That's gross. Yep. But everything else is still available and becoming more available. And we can probably rule out with that, that 385% rate in overdose deaths per year has gone up since 99. You know, we can kind of, it's not going to rule out all of the heavier drugs, the, the harder drugs, but with the stat that its availability is perceived to be going down, I want to argue that's really surrounding alcohol. And Sully kind of hit yeah. that. You know, he, he touched on that. He's like, you know, what, what it, is it these parents? And I found a random fact that I did not think I would use, but it kind of comes full circle here. In the year 2000, 18.5% of children removed from their homes by the CPS was due to alcohol-related issues. Mm. In 2019, that number rose to 38.9%. Oh, shit. You see, that's kind of a nuanced thing because uh, we don't obviously know what the alcohol-related issue is, but I would say a, a very big number of those is probably, you know, alcoholic parents that mm-hmm. mistreat their children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that may or may not even extend into that problem being passed on to those children. Right. That, you know, they grew up in that environment. And I mean, it's it's even a classic fucking media trope that kids break into their parents' alcohol stash and, and start drinking and shit. And I would wager that probably happens quite a lot in those households. I stole alcohol from my mom when I was five years old. Oh, well, there you go. Yep, One time when her, I was really young. Wait, go well, ahead. I was going to say she left her wine glass out and I woke up to go get me some water <laughs> and I saw that. So I chugged it and then my chest was hurting and I woke her up and told her I was having a heart attack and apologized for stealing her wine. <laughs> this is going to say, uh, it was funny. I was like four years old and this is one of the earliest memories I have, but my parents were getting ready to go to... They were getting ready to go to a party. Oh, no, I wasn't four. I was like seven. They're getting ready to go to a party, and they always trusted me to be home alone when I was pretty young because I was always pretty mature for a young kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was in this fucking clear canteen sheet my mom had. And it was like one of those big, like, water jugs. kind of Not, like, big, but, you know, the bigger water bottles that you could, like, clip on yeah. your backpack and some shit. And it just looked like it had Pepsi in it. And I was like, oh, Pepsi. And so I went, I picked it up. I took a big swig and it was actually rum and Coke. And I fucking, I'll remember that taste of the day I die. <laughs> I was fucking dying. But also it was kind of funny because my grandpa growing up, both of my grandpas, actually, one of them was a hoodlum and one of them was a hoodlum in his younger days, but he just did it to kind of fuck with me. I mean, they would give me sips from their beer can when I was like three or four years old. And yeah. It was just, just make a funny face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's yeah, stealing alcohol. Motherfucker. I, you know, mine was a little bit different, you know, and I, I'm down that, that trope that you're talking about is stealing liquor from the parents, you know, liquor cabinet. That is, that's been a trope for so long. I mean, it's kids yeah. will be kids, right? Yeah. But that, that wasn't my experience when, you know, my dad drank and still does drink beer all the time. You know, I, I think I've seen my dad drink hard alcohol once. I've never seen my mom drink alcohol. You know, my dad, you know, had a talk with me when I was a kid and talking about drugs. And it was basically surrounding marijuana. 
And, you know, he said he's, he'd done it a couple times and he, you know, I was like, mom did too, didn't she? And she was in the room. She was like, nah, and then my dad was like, uh, huh, yeah, she did. <laughs> but my mom never drank. My dad drank. I wouldn't say that he was an alcoholic, but he drank a lot of booze at the, a lot of beer. Routinely. The yeah. It was the end of the day. He was a very blue collar worker and came home and had a few beers and I never really thought anything of it. You know, I took a swig once and hated it and <laughs> but you know when i got into drug use as a teenager it was the alcohol was never part of it that was not a part of it for me i just didn't care about it you know there was not a liquor cabinet in my house there was a beer a case of beer in the fridge but there was never a liquor cabinet i never had to deal with it and none of my friends were drinking alcohol it was you know when i was a senior in high school yeah that we had parties and stuff but i didn't really partake it wasn't really a big thing to me and I think that's kind of important because the over overarching story that I kind of wanted to get to is that as adults, we don't really think too much about the drug problem because we redefine the drug problem is not that much of a problem. Mm-hmm. But looking at what we've talked about today and some of the stats we've gone over, it's a bigger problem than ever. But that problem is alcohol. Yep. And it still is. It was when we were kids, maybe not for everybody, as we've noticed, but it's still a big deal. Yep. You know, it's it is still we've I, every time somebody i have an argument with somebody about whether marijuana should be illegal or not my defense is always well alcohol kills way more fucking people yeah i mean it and, is my sincere belief that if every time someone went to drink they instead smoked or like took an edible mm-hmm. uh, i mean specifically weed I, I think the world would be a much better place i right. think if if alcohol wasn't involved not only would people have just as good of a time but we would have way less accidents. We would have way less aggression and toxicity coming from that. I also think, I think tobacco and well, specifically like the cigarette industry is also very much so to blame, it, at least in dealing widespread damage to not only our youth, but people in general, but specifically considering we've been focusing on alcohol. Yeah. I think alcohol is, is one of the biggest issues and for no good reason, like, we live in a day and age where in a lot of places, it's not only easier, but cheaper to get a hold of weed and it's healthier and it's cleaner. I mean, the truth campaign has moved from tobacco to alcohol. Mm-hmm. They're not attacking cigarettes anymore. And I know why kind of push the cigarettes aside because, you know, I think most kids nowadays don't want to smoke cigarettes anyway. Well, they're vaping now, but right. But they're, you know, cigarettes are disgusting. Yeah. And they're focusing now on alcohol Mm -hmm. because it is an issue and it is the drug that is hurting the most people. Oh, hundred percent. And if you don't think alcohol is a drug, you're out of your mind. And the thing is like, I, I get back in the days of like prohibition people. I mean, it was all people had to, to kind of break down and get away from all that shit. And so I, I get fighting for it back after they outlawed something like that. But today, as it stands, like, I think there's still a stigma. It would never happen, at least not anytime soon. But like I said, if they were to outlaw alcohol tomorrow and people switched over to using weed instead for their parties and shit, I think we'd have a better world. Yeah, I think that maybe you're not thinking about the repercussions that outlawing alcohol would have, though. And I don't think that's really your point. Well, right, exactly. Make, that's not my point. Right. Your, your point is confirmed in the fact that it would be way safer for people to smoke weed than in every situation if a person was high instead of drunk it would have been a completely different and more than likely more positive outcome right yeah i mean even just for the fact that 
you can achieve very similar effects or cleaner or healthier effects mm -hmm. while also not doing things like heavily impairing your motor control. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one of the, the fucking highest stats of, of death in our country is, is people driving drunk. And I mean, just even that getting rid of alcohol and, and having people do this instead, I think that number would go down drastically. Yeah, I, don't have, I don't have support respect. for that, but as a young, go ahead. I was just saying the other one is aggression, not just motor control. Yep. But alcohol is known to increase whatever emotion you're having and have you jump between them much faster. And you don't you've never heard of someone getting in a fight while they were hot. <laughs> I don't even want to stand up. I'm not going to yeah. come at you, bro. Yeah, I'm fucking moving my legs right now sounds like the worst. <laughs> anyway, Fox, what were you saying? I was going to say and admit uh, shamefully that there, as a young, you know, as a young adult in my early 20s, I had a terrible habit of driving drunk. It was something that I, as a stupid young 20 something kid, I did all the time. And it's so dangerous. It's so irresponsible and so dangerous. And I'm so ashamed of it. Could be fucker. It was bad. I mean, God, everybody did. Yeah. You it's st it's still something that people still do today. Oh, yeah. oh 100%. Right. But I mean, it, what I'm talking about is like, you know, when I quit going to school for the first time, when I quit going to college for the first time, I was 19 and I was working at, I was working at Blockbuster and man, you know, we were, at the height of Blockbuster, we were making hand over fist money and we were all friends and we were all dating each other and we were all hanging out all the time. You know, all the Blockbusters in my hometown, we'd get together and we'd all hang out all the time. We were all friends with each other. We'd go to somebody's house and just get absolutely trash. And we would all drive home. Mm -hmm. And it was so irresponsible. And oh, yeah. none that of that would have happened if it were pot. None of it. True. But I mean, another thing just we brought up earlier, well, you brought up earlier, Kids are smarter these days. I, I mm -hmm. think that's getting less. I know a lot of people today are standing up to that idea than were when mm -hmm. I was young. Mm -hmm. And it's at least in part just because, you know, as much as people like to say, oh, kids are fucking stupid. They're eating Tide Pods and, you know, licking windows. Kids are stupid. Uh, but well, they, they can't be stupid, delicious. but they're fucking there are a lot of smart kids. There's a lot of intelligence in our youth. And maybe it extends more so into like common sense and mental intelligence than in, you know, terms of IQ and shit. But, uh, you know, credit to them. There's in a some fucking ways level we of are learning pushback from the past. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So drugs are bad, okay? Drugs are bad, okay? By the oh, way, just drink, a bunch Yeah, l listen. Oh, my God, listen. <laughs> We here at Hoodlums do not advocate for underage drug use, alcohol drinking, or cigarette smoking. Abide by no. your local laws and jurisdictions, kids. Mm -hmm. Okay? Please do. And Please and do. if you don't, it's not our fault. That's, lobby, that's all I'll say. Do your part and lobby for the things that you want to happen. Do not put yourself in danger of the law. Legalize don't. it. Right. Do also, the though, that, yeah. have an open mind. Use your brain. Think critically. Yeah. Stick yes. a finger in there for once. Yeah, slip a finger in. <laughs> just the tip. Just the, just the tip of the finger. Okay, well, I think that's good um, for part one. We'll be back after some tunes to talk about some dunes. Tunes! Yay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hoodlums Episode 4, Drugs Edition. 
We're going to pivot to a different D word for the rest of our episode today. Sully Fox. Okay. Well, that nope. Oh my you guys, God. I know for a fact <laughs> that you, like I, recently watched Dune. Spoilers. Yup. Pretty pretty big movie. New sensation sweeping the nation. It is huge sci-fi hit in theaters and on HBO Max. Now, I want to know what did you guys think of it? Trey was one of my favorite bands. I'm so glad they made a house after them. What? <laughs> Trey? What oh, is that? What the hell are you even talking about? You drug addict. It's not even a Trey. It's a Treaties. I know that's the joke. It's a Treaties. God, <laughs> you suck. Jesus, ignore him. I quit. So, fun fact. This is technically my show and tell. Remember, we've talked about you listeners at home. We've, we've talked about this before. We want to have a you know, kind of a, a common theme where we have a show and tell. And I, this is kind of cheating, but it was, you know, what I wanted to talk about because it's so big. And I am a huge sci-fi nerd. I always have been. But somehow this book series, it, it escaped me. I never read it, which is. And it bad. can't be your show and tell, fucker. Well, the movie is, so watch your goddamn mouth. <laughs> this is a movie review. This is yeah. not your stage so, time. Movie I review. Shut down down shut in front. Fuck up! Houston, <laughs> um, your phone's to silent for the remainder of the feature. <laughs> Put your trays, your tray tables in a upright position. Put your entrees in. <laughs> <laughs> so I I missed this book series. And, you know, I had watched the the movie that was made in the 80s once a long time ago. We're not talking about that here. That but I, I, Right. And I didn't know much about Dune. So when this movie got announced, I got really hype. I've got a lot of friends who are excited about it. So I actually, we've talked about before, we talked about our last episode. I went last weekend on a little excursion with the boys. I took a few of my real friends. We, we real life, you know, in, in yeah, person. That's we're not real friends. In person friends. I'm local crying. buddies. <laughs> we went to, we had a bachelor party and we went to like the Ozarks and I had a surprise for everybody and I rented out an entire new theater for the five of us to watch Dune. And on the release day that Friday and we had a hell of a time and I watched this movie and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the characters, the story. I have a couple gripes about it, which we can talk about, but Dune, I, I needed to talk about it because I'd seen Kyle tweet about it. Uh, I, I asked Sully a couple days ago if he had seen it and he said, yes. And I was like, we have to talk about it. I fell in love with it. I absolutely loved it. What do you guys think? I I was similar. I've, I loved it as well. I knew just enough about the about dune for my stepdad who read the books and he told me about some of it and so i just retained all the basic information and i i loved it as well i knew it was slow and campy at times but i've still felt that the cinematography and everything that could be complained about had some point that they were trying to explain or show <laughs> this is gonna piss people off i've had a lot of time to, to grip to grapple with it hmm. and kind of think through it i don't think dune deserves all the praise it's getting okay. i don't Between the napsist and the dunist now we're gonna lose everybody <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> the napsist nate doesn't like naps and you don't oh, like the naps that's right we call them a napsist okay no, well okay no. so so here's the thing talk to me Gears. speak your piece so watching this movie i'm gonna try to be as spoiler free as i can 
I mean, we've given a spoiler alert. We'll probably talk a little bit about it, but no story. Yeah. So the movie structure in a lot of ways reminds me of Lord of the Rings. I, mm-hmm. I think especially the extended editions, there's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of information. It's not all super exciting. And that's fine. I like that, actually. I'm a slut for movies that have that depth mm-hmm. uh, and that exposition. But I feel like this movie is not a good... Well, it's good, but it's not a great movie. And that's a weird comment to make, but let me try to explain. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in telling this story in the way that it was originally meant to be told, which got a lot right, by the way, the visuals were fucking incredible. The movie was beautiful. I think they got casting spot on for a lot of these characters. They fit what I imagine them to be. And it, it gave you information in reasonable ways. There aren't any huge cuts or anything like you usually see in book movies. And it wasn't a total mistake. And that in itself is a huge win. But I feel like in doing all of that, we lost what makes a good movie. And for for me, that is at least in part the, the story structure. And because it only gets up to like at most the halfway point of Dune, the book, uh, there is no real payoff anywhere in the movie. There are moments where you know, there's a small climax. <laughs> there's a small climax. And, it, but it never feels like anything satisfying, right? And it's always one thing to the next to the next. And instead of being on this like roller coaster where you get to the peak and there's a climax and that's like the fucking, the conflict and it gets resolved, there's nothing that gets resolved, really. There's like, there's the one fight near the end that's this dude fighting with the other guy that feels really lacking in weight and importance and that could have just been totally fucking ditched anyway i don't think it would have hurt the story a shit ton if that didn't even happen not to say they should have cut it but just to talk about it i mean that's all we had otherwise it it just felt very inconsequential It felt like it was a movie that existed purely to set up the second movie, which was going to do all the things the first movie wishes it could have done. And I hate that. I think that is terrible filmmaking. Just for the excuse of... It's a garbage movie. Yeah! Depending on what the next movie is like will determine whether this one was worth the wait. So, but that's the Dune legacy, right? Is the the legacy of Dune in in a cinematic universe is going to be different than the film itself and the film the the best part about the film for me is thinking about what comes next alongside you know the beautiful uh, the beautiful score and the gorgeous graphics i think most of the cast killed it i don't think timothy chalamet did very well i think he is a pretty boy actor that gets roles because of that i don't think he's very good at what he does Sorry, Timothy, if you ever hear that, but I mean, not anything personal. I just, I don't think you killed it here. I love you though. Smooches. But those things came together for me to just make it just a good movie. I think it it did a lot really fucking well. Like I said, visuals, sound design, music, that shit, 10 out of 10 for me. And that's why I refuse to say it's a bad movie because it's not a bad movie but it's certainly not a great one for me. 
and that's why. Sully? Uh, I definitely think that's a fair assessment with the... It, it's basically like a prequel without the main storyline, so it's all a build-up. It feels like an extremely long intro with some a few major events going on. Yeah. And it's it's part of why I almost felt like it would have made for a better TV show. Yeah. Like if HBO turned around well, and said, of, let's make a, this. Speaking well, of TV shows, right. though, like I, I would say it reminded me a little bit of like some of the storyline was similar to some Game of Thrones stuff of here's the yeah. good guys. Here's this. Here's that. And then setting it all up and then changing the entire game at the end. And I feel like there I recently listened to a podcast where they actually talked to the son of the guy who wrote the original Dunes and then continued his father's legacy. And mm-hmm. he and they talked a lot about how these were they they weren't sci-fi bibles, but they were like parables to teach life lessons of like the I'm going to go ahead and give spoiler alert when you get the give the setup of this amazing family who's strategic and intelligent and then you find out they're good people even the leader's son or leader's father is okay with his son not following in his footsteps if that's not what makes him happy yeah and like sets all this stuff up and then destroys all of it and it's almost like a life lesson of it doesn't matter how good you have it or how good you think or how positive you are that's not going to save you make sure that you have your asses covered that kind of thing of teaching this lesson of they thought they were in a good position they were given a challenge and they were going to overcome this challenge and then they just got shit on and there was nothing they could do about it and it was all and it was all this big conspiracy the the empire against them and they didn't even realize it and it's kind of it's a fucked up dark lesson of no matter how safe you think you are or how capable you feel you are you can't be prepared for everything and you need to be prepared for that and that's kind of where I, I but for a two and a half hour movie that has all this setup and all these other things I feel like it's lost more than it would in the book yeah so and see if it were a TV show it well first of all talking about its story it's it's absolutely and obviously a fucking it's a new messiah story that's it very you can draw a lot of you yeah. can draw a lot of like religious connections it's, between this book and whatever it's else but like the messiah story yeah it is and so that's a whole thing but if it were a tv show you know the end of the movie to me felt like like the end of a season like the end of an episode in the middle of a season yeah right if they allocated like 12 hours of tv time even like nine hours of tv time if they did hour-long episodes like they've been doing with some of these shows for nine episodes, I feel like you knocked that shit out of the park. I feel like that's one of the best instances of television ever created. And yet, <clears throat> they decided to throw it into a movie that already felt a little too long, made us wait all that extra time, and in my opinion, didn't pay us off adequately for it. Mm-hmm. But I would be maybe that's just me. To but... know what their original path was to land on it being a movie like was that something they considered they did they get denied was what led them to final to finalizing their decision into it being a movie instead of another source of media well, i'm sure they were just doing the hollywood thing where they started looking for other old like cool books that would fucking appeal to young people 
Because it could it could have also been a budget thing of paying actors, and because if you notice, they had a lot of famous actors. Oh yeah, lot. they absolutely did. But I mean, the other thing is, I think they could have knocked it out of the park with more, like lesser known actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need a fucking Timothy Chalamet in there. I don't think you need Zendaya in there. You absolutely don't to make a good movie. And Zendaya killed it, I think. But I think there are a lot of people that could have done it on you know, a small film format that could have done it just as good. You would need to have a high budget. <laughs> if it were like Dune as a CW show, it wouldn't come even close. I would take it as a movie every day of the week. Yeah, and, and that's where you, I would question, like, would that have been like the best offer they had would not have been. Yeah, but the, the other thing is in an age, you know, post Game of Thrones, I feel like you can absolutely secure a big budget like that. Especially for Dune, which is kind of like sci-fi Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. it I think there would be no issue just securing that and making a really solid show like that. Especially with all of these streaming platforms doing originals that have massive budgets. I mean, I've seen some TV shows that were Netflix originals that I never imagined would look as good as they do. Yeah, and I I just have a hard time believing that they even considered making it a, a TV thing just because it's so valuable for that to be. I mean, Dennis Villeneuve, whatever the fuck said, he wants it to be a trilogy. He said he wants to put two more movies out and it's so hard for me not to believe that somewhere in some room, some old dude is like, Oh, wow. That's a couple more million for two more movies. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I don't, I mean, movies just hit different, you know, it's a thing. People show up in droves and I don't know, Fox. I can't argue with a lot of the things that you said, and I don't really want to, you know, could it have been a TV show? Absolutely. Would it have had the same impact? Who knows? Probably not. And I think you just kind of proved that in like just a second ago. Movies hit different. People go to movies. It's a bigger, it's always a bigger splash. And, you know, what the decision was to make it a movie versus a TV show, I have no idea. Somebody made that decision, and then they selected a director and writers and a a cast and went for it. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Dune's probably one of my favorite movies of the last three years. Damn. I think I understand where you're coming from, where it doesn't hit the basic idea of what a movie should be from beginning to end. It doesn't have... It doesn't have a what? It doesn't fit the requirements of being a standalone. It doesn't. I think it does for a lot of ways that it shouldn't. And because of those reasons, it negated the need to have that ultimate climax with a conclusion. Things that I will agree with. Timothy Chalamet was easily one of the worst parts of the movie. And I say that. He is so hot, though. He is. (laughs) And I, I put his performance at like a seven. Uh, and that's, that's generous. The, and that's the worst. And what I'm worried about for Timothy Chalamet is because of what I know now and the things that I know about the story coming up, he's going to have to turn his shit up to 11. He's going to he's got some he's got some acting to do. And there are some pivotal moments in the movie that were not brought across as well as they could have. But that being put aside. Everybody else was absolutely stellar and i don't think they could have been cast any differently 
And I don't think you can get away with making this movie with smaller with a different cast. I don't. I totally think you can. I think that if you're going to do that, then you need to tell it differently. And I think that this movie needs to be told exactly the way it is with the way with what they were given. You know, the director, Delos Villeneuve, was given given an objective. Right. They said, this is what we're making and he's going to make it. He helped write the script. He helped direct. He obviously directed it. And he brought this what needed to happen to life. And yeah, I mean, this movie, like you said, does not stop. There is no break. It is, you know, one of my one of our one of our friends who, along with me, with the five of us that went into this movie in the theater, I was one of two who had no idea what Dune was about. I went in blind. You know, I'd watched the movie years ago, didn't remember shit about it. The other three were huge fans, read the series several times, yada. The both of us were in the same boat. We were like, this does not give you a moment to think. But I think because of the way it was written, the way it was delivered, the way it was shot, and the acting that was done, I never was super confused. I knew what was happening. I would have a moment where I was like, okay, who is that? What is going on here? I am a little confused. And then literally Oscar Isaac or Stellan Skarsgård or Josh Brolin or Javier Bardem would come on screen and literally with a look and the song playing, the, the score playing in the background and the way the camera angle, it would literally answer the question for me. Oh, yeah. And for that weight that those character actors brought to their character, to be able to tell the story that could have been told over 10 minutes, but to be able to tell it in a fraction of a minute with just a look is absolutely breathtaking to me and unmatched. You can't. Oh, well, you just, I mean, yeah, but what I'm saying is with what, what needed to happen for this movie to get made. I mean, essentially this is half of this. What we witnessed in this movie was the first half of the first book. Yeah. And the scene that you're talking about at the end, my other thing that I agree with you is that fight scene at the end, knowing what I know now, that was a very pivotal moment in the series. Yeah. And it was not delivered very well. No, it wasn't. It, uh, and the thing is, it feels like it should have. Because one of the things that I learned is I, I went looking for it afterwards. And yeah. as you see in the movie, and this is big spoiler territory because I don't know how else to explain it. it. So the Paul, he has a vision about that guy being his friend and teaching him stuff. And then he ends up fighting him and he ends up killing him. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me in the moment. And I feel like it's partially because it felt very inconsequential when it should have been a massive thing because that is, that's like him changing his future. There's so much to that. It's so mm -hmm. impactful. It's such a moment that determines so much of what's going to happen in the future and how, mm -hmm. you know, as we're experiencing the story, how the world is going to, to interact that. And just how it will operate from that point forward. And I feel like the movie did a very piss poor job of making any of that clear. And to be clear, I don't think the movie was ever confusing beyond maybe that part. And confusing might be a little strong of a word. I don't think there was ever a point where I was watching and I was like, what the fuck is going on? When I said the movie just keeps marching on and on, it wasn't a criticism that the movie doesn't take time to breathe. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think... People are smart enough and, you know, able-minded enough to be able to keep up with that. For me, it was just that it was thing after thing that just didn't feel entertaining. 
there was a lot of learning. There's a lot of setup. A lot of it is indulging yourself in the world and the world building, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But it's literally world building the movie. Mm -hmm. But where is the world? It's just you get glimpses at it in the movie. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things for me is it spends so much time setting up the world in which the story is going to happen and making sure that the foundation is set, that it doesn't stop nearly enough to tell the the main story it's trying to tell in that world. It's more concerned with building the world around the story than the story itself. And I think in an ideal world, this movie will have served to get all of that out of the way and the next movie and possibly the third one will have a better balance. But as a singular film, as Sully keeps repeating, it just, it, I don't think it stands up on its own as a film in itself. If it never got a sequel, it would be a fucking, just a, a decent movie. Yeah. I can't disagree. I mean, like I said, I can't disagree with that, but I think everything else overshadows that i think it makes it easier to like it for sure another point that i would probably pretty strongly disagree with is that you said it has to be cast that way uh -huh. and i don't think that's giving enough credit to so many of the talented people in hollywood even like some of the newer actors and actresses that we've been seeing on the up and up as of recent absolutely kill it there is a bit of an acting trope with their character's longevity, though. And that's where I kind of give, have to give them a little bit more credence as to why they would go with a wide range of famous actors is typically in movies and TV shows, and mostly before Game of Thrones popped out, it was very common thought process that if you saw someone you recognized, briefly as a side note, they were coming back. Or if you saw a main character introduced that way, they were never going to die because they're famous. This is your cream of the crop. And so when you see Poe Danmarin and Aquaman in this movie, <laughs> you're like, oh, those guys, they were, they're big movie stars. They're in big things. And this is definitely, <laughs> we already know that this is not going to be the first. There's going to be a second and third. That was just, that's the way Dune is. You can't spend yeah. the story in one movie. So there's going to be more movies. So they're not going to die. They're going to be in the next movies and the next one. And then, spoiler alert, they're fucking dead. And it's mm -hmm. like you you lose that ability to trust a famous actor and the longevity and it throws a wrench into trusting on that trope. And it, it, I think it can actually have a you can have a more genuine reaction to a character's death or survivability. If you don't have any predisposed yeah, notion you, of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And okay. I, I agree to some extent with that for sure. I think especially in the case of like main characters in the entourage but honestly for me it's even just a matter of skill i think there's a lot of actors and actresses that are new up-and-coming talent that could knock those same roles out of the park and there are some characters that play the role so fucking well that it would be you'd be hard pressed to find someone that could do it similarly like i think the guy that played the dad did a phenomenal job yeah. i think he did fucking great and i think he looked the part I think he knocked it all out of the park, but I also don't think he's the only one that could have done it. I think there are a ton of very talented actors that could have done that job or any I, other job in the movie. I literally think we're having this argument for no absolute, absolutely no reason. Like I don't, these characters were cast for a reason. 
And I think that they were cast perfectly to the point where they got what needed to be done across so well that I would be hard pressed to believe that other people could do it. Could they have done it? Could other people have done it? Well, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. But what, what, why even have that argument? They were cast because you brought it up. That's the only point. Cause I you, mean, it, you said that. Yeah. I just, I, it's just, it's, it seems kind of like far-fetched to me. which is why I bring it up. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, that almost sounds like you're being just very forgiving to the movie itself. Like that's almost just giving it extra points that I almost don't feel like it deserves because of the casting. Yeah. Well, I mean it, and I've said they cast it well, I think in a lot of cases, but to defend it as this incredible movie on the premise that you couldn't find someone else to fix some of the acting issues or that, that they did such an incredible job casting that literally no one else could do it that almost feels like you're putting like too much emphasis on how good this movie actually is. I definitely feel like if the Messiah was Justin Bieber, I would have enjoyed it more. Really? I was thinking Tom Holland. <laughs> oh. No, I, I was trying to be facetious. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I know. I'll be too. Oh my God. I don't like Tom Holland. I just, I know. I, I love what? Tom Holland though. <laughs> my, overall, my overall point is that everything came together so well and their choice of actors and their acting abilities for those characters were done so well that the things that the story progression that didn't happen was told through the acting. And that is hard to do. And I'm giving praise to the people that were the casters or the screen, you know what? I can't even think of the name of the person that does that, but the people that chose these actors did such a phenomenal job. And then these actors killed it in a way that needed to happen for this movie to be as great as it was. I can That's that. my point. And yeah, could somebody else else have done it? Yes. But man, seeing Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Vladimir Harkonnen was so <laughs> yeah. dude, phenomenal. Did you, see, did you see the fucking dude that was is man, who's the like bald, big, fat guy? Drac. You talking about the big, the big, bad guy, the, 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 the dude one? with like the, the metal back. The metal yeah, spine. That's yeah, that's yeah. Oh my god, he is apparently a fucking weirdo, man. He he was on, he was on set, and he kept telling them he wanted to do more naked scenes because he thought <laughs> it was cool. And so he he literally just kept telling them that he wanted more clothes, more scenes where he could take his clothes off, and they were like, "Dude, stop." Do you know who Stellan Stellan Skarsgård is? So he sorta. He is. Do you watch the first Thor movie? Right. Yes. He was the adult. I, this is weird, but he was the older scientist that was like Natalie Portman's mentor. Yes. That's Stellan Skarsgård. He's the mm -hmm. one that played that character. Yeah, I, I know who he is. <laughs> oh, okay. well, that's what I just asked. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I know what he looks like and oh, who okay. he is. I just don't know, like, a lot about his past or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's just. He's a oh, fucking. Man. He that that scene where he was like apparently dead and they look up and he's like on the ceiling and shit. That was. <laughs> unsettling <laughs> and also the fucking the weird pets thing they keep that have like arms and hands for legs and feet <laughs> those are mutated and humans those yep. are fucking disturbing I, that was awesome i love that i need <laughs> one of those someone get me one right now but we definitely cannot argue with the fact and i think we can all come together with this dennis villeneuve did wonderful directing this movie Hans zimmer created a score of a lifetime and the cinematography was just mind-boggling. Speak for yourself, fucker. 
I I am speaking for the three of us because no, you're not. Disagree with that. I <laughs> no, I I would say I'd say little Denny boy made some issues. He made some errors. Mm. I th- I think the visuals team knocked it out of the park. I think a lot of the stylistic decisions about the visuals in the film were fucking incredible. I think mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer is a literal god among, like on earth oh, no. among fucking losers. And I think wow. he knocked it out of the park. I think the cinematography was phenomenal, but I, I think some of the writing and some of the execution on the movie that were, you know, that fell on the shoulders of, of little Denny boy, I think it could have been better. And that's the hill I'll die on. I, I don't think it deserves all the love it's getting on the internet. I do think it's good. I just, people are praising it as like the best movie in the last fucking 30 years. And I think that's, that's absurd. That's push, but I will say it's one of my favorite movies that I've seen. One of the best movies I've seen in the last few years, for sure. No, I mean, I'd say maybe one of the most impressionable films of the past five years. Uh, that that's, as, that's as much as I'd give it. It's a big release. I mean, Frank Herbert's, this is his life's work. And Herbert was a huge, I mean, he's got a a literal hero to a lot of people just with his advocacy and his, his, he's done a lot for human rights and a lot for the cool, you know, just the world in general. And he, this is a very beloved series. And I think it was very important. Also shout out to David Dasmalshian or however you pronounce his last name on all these fucking, all these acting gigs he's getting. My man's was in, Suicide Squad is the polka dot guy. He was in Dune as uh, as the weird fat guy's side chick. He was <laughs> he's been in some pretty big roles recently. Are you talking about Dave Bautista? No, David Dust. This guy. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I noticed immediately. I'm like, this guy has a very peculiar face. I like I always recognize him and he's had a lot of really big. He was like the speaker for House Harkonnen. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I noticed that he was kind of a weird placement. I didn't know. I know his face, but I didn't know who he. Yeah. Um, you know what his name was, but his, he's he's been he killing it lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Proud of him. If you ever watch this, David, you're fucking rocking it, buddy. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. <laughs> Come talk to us about it. Do it. All you right. won't, pussy. All right. Fucking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you heard me, pussy. Yeah. David. Okay. Anyway, anyway, that was Hoodlums episode four. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us. I'm on Twitter at Kyle underscore XCVI. Fox at the Fox LTD. Yeah, there you go. If you want to share any of your stories of Hoodlum kind with us, hashtag How I Hoodlum on Twitter. Matter anymore? Listen, you have said your MySpace page every time. I looked it up last time. It's literally like it's someone has it and it's not you. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yes, not. It's, it is. it's myspace.com slash Texan and it's someone whose name is Salim Te- Tekin and, <laughs> and their page is fucking it's blank and it's but like someone owns it. So quit fucking pointing these people to that guy's oh fucking my MySpace page. <laughs> anyway. Get us on Twitter, hashtag <laughs> how I hoodlum. Last episode yeah. we said how you hoodlum. It is how I hoodlum. Yeah. Um, hit us up. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. 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 Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for coming, Hail guys. Satan. We appreciate all of you. Hail Satan. Watch Dune. We love you. Hail Dune. Watch Satan. Wow. Wow.